Going back to 2019, a Biden-Trump matchup. Remember, 2019-2020, Joe Biden led. He led big in every single one of our polls. For the first time in November, Donald Trump pulled ahead in our poll, and now at five points, this is the biggest lead NBC has ever had in 16 polls for Donald Trump over Joe Biden. And, of course, undergirding all of this is this question of he is the incumbent, Joe Biden. We ask voters, what do you think of the job he's doing? And look at that, Kristen, 37 percent approve and now 60 percent disapprove. And we should say that is the lowest approval rating since former President George W. Bush's second term. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Just a catching strays over here. <laughs> You're in for a hell of a show. Keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. It's time for our main event. Welcome back to the Ruthless Friday program. A uh, big week on tap. Lots going on around here. A little bit of presidential, a little bit of uh, congressional, which we haven't seen in a long time. A little bit of fun. And plus there's variety. A little bit of fun. There's a lot of variety. Everybody have a good weekend? Terrific weekend. Yeah? Excellent weekend. Yeah. Uh, you made Legos or something. I did. Well, I took uh, I took the family to Air and Space. You've uh, been there like 16 times. Yeah, out in Dulles. Like, uh, Joey, our four-year-old, just absolutely loves it. He was explaining it. it to me. It's like the smartest parent move because it's a massive space, and you're like, "Kid, just run." Yeah, well, run this, as much as you'd like. <laughs> yeah, you know, just air it out. Yeah. For for those that that don't know, uh, there's an air and space uh, museum downtown in DC, but the one if you have young kids that is the best to go to is the one out in Dulles, in Virginia. It's this massive hangar that has everything from the Enola Gay to the Concorde jet to a drone to the Discovery Space uh, Shuttle. SR-71 Blackbird. SR-71 Blackbird. The GOAT. So Joey wanted the SR-71. He also wanted the Spitfire, the one with the teeth on it. Yeah. Sure. So we got him both of those. But then I also got him this Lego set, this like Lego City uh, rocket and stuff. So you, that's where you, you built the Legos. Like six hours of, <laughs> of building Legos this Was weekend. Was he focused on it for six hours? Absolutely focused. Dude, that's I, dialed in. Now, now I, w I will say... Uh, a lot of frustration goes yeah, into that. Sure. Some throwing of Legos, I imagine. Yeah, but I mean, part of that is that's that's young child development. You got to learn patience and learn learn how to deal with obstacles. And <laughs> the old man was there to talk him through it all. But <laughs> spending spending your weekend building things is usually the sign of a pretty good dad game. It was it was it great. Is. It was great. Six hours of kids busy is the dream. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I I had one of those weekends where. Saturday, my wife rolls in with uh, this just like 200 pound box sitting in the front entryway of our house. And she's like, Can you build this? Oh, no. Yeah. I'm like, What is it? And she's like, Well, it's a shoe credenza. <laughs> this did, is Saturday. Did she say credenza? And I'm like, well, I, I can forget, forget exactly how she put it, but it was something to that effect. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, What? What is that? <laughs> Never really got a full understanding of it because, of course, it's with, like it's three hours of your weekend with any good gone. Well, the, I open the box and the first piece of wood I see is like four inches long, and I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> like this sucker's this is heavy carpentry, right? This right. is not. We're not. Like I gotta go. I gotta immediately go out to the garage and see what kind of tools I could encounter. Yeah, you know. So I'm in there, and I, I mean, it took like three or four hours to put this thing together. But when I got, to, I gotta say, 
uh, it was not doing dumb shit. Like I was, I built something. Yeah, right. Yeah, nice. You feel so, accomplished. I, you know, I got it done. It looks good. It looks good. Not as fun as the Legos, but not as fun as the Legos. And my children were cer- certainly displeased by yeah. Dad's uh, aversion <laughs> from their. Let's go play Mario game. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't. I'm, I'm building mom's credenza. <laughs> <laughs> so really, it was all on mom. <laughs> Which is good. Uh, all right, let's start out with what you heard there in the opener. There was a new poll that came out. There was something of a bombshell. There's been a lot of shock polls. But this one, I think, stands above almost anything that we've seen. It was out of NBC. You saw it featured in the opening clip on uh, Meet the Press, where not only is Joe Biden in terrible shape, which we've known for quite some time, but there was not a single issue area where he's winning other than abortion and, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, protecting democracy. Mm -hmm. And what was the difference on that? Like one percent. Yeah, it was like it was very close. Well, see, I I love that. uh, The protecting democracy one, because I think it reveals how out of touch some of the people who do these surveys are with your average American. Protecting democracy really isn't an informative like question to ask because, you know, for a Republican voter, protecting democracy might mean unregulated drop boxes. Let's get rid of those. Or voter ID. Right. Or, I don't know, um, aversion to all of the indictments of the former president of the United States. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, when they think protecting democracy, they're like, oh, well, uh, well that means the DNC talking points for the last three years. But your average voter doesn't think that way. Yep. Right. You know? That's, totally. That's a good point. What showed, it showed that President Trump at this point in the cycle is dominating Biden in the polls. And it's something that I've been saying since the beginning of the cycle was possible. And it's just nice to see NBC oh, confirming what we've this been is, saying. This guy, he's going to break his arm, slapping yeah. his own back on this stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't remember it any time up until the last few weeks, but it's nice to hear it now. <laughs> Some, somebody somebody has to say that Biden is unpopular <laughs> and that President Trump say. is rolling into November. <laughs> and I think I, I don't think I'm the only one. He's not the best press man in the business for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, look, we're going to talk about that. We're going to do uh, some security bill discussion. I know there's been a lot of conversation, particularly online, about the immigration stuff. We're going to help try to illuminate what that whole debate is about. Uh, Biden has set up a secret committee mm-hmm. to uh, monitor your alcohol consumption. Oh. So you're going to have to take a look at that, which is ridiculous. And then we want to talk a little bit of some variety, including this uh, this Apple thing you're seeing all about. Yeah, that we throw the, on your the face. The VR headset. Yeah, yeah. We want to hear a lot about that. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And we got some animal news, as we always do. Yeah. Uh, here on the Variety Program. But let's start out with the first segment here with this polling. I'm going to read to you from NBC. Um, 20-point deficit on handling economy highlights Biden's struggles against Trump. Uh, Despite a growing economy and little opposition for his party's nomination, President Joe Biden confronts a dissatisfied electorate in a challenging political climate nine months before he faces re-election, according to a new NBC News poll. Biden trails GOP frontrunner Donald Trump on major policy and personal comparisons, including by more than 20 points on which candidate would handle 
the economy. Can I stop you on this one? Uh, yeah. Because Democrats over and over and elites over and over talk about how, oh, the economy is growing. Look at these numbers. The stock market is up. You have to stop and think that it is not the same for everybody. Everybody doesn't look at the Dow Jones rise and think, oh, man, you know what that means? My 401k is going gangbusters because not everybody has a giant 401k. Yep. Sometimes when people see a growing economy, the only thing they see rising are grocery store prices. And so there is a dichotomy of, uh, of perspectives here that the media just doesn't seem to capture well, on a routine and basis. I, I think also – um, the economy is most dire for the people that Joe Biden needs the most. If you look at this poll and you know many others that we've seen where Joe Biden is losing to Donald Trump, it's younger voters, it's minority voters. Um, you know who who you know if if you're over the age of 45 and your 401k looks pretty good, there's a lot of economic indicators that the economy is good for the country, but it's just good for you. It's not yeah. good for a lot of these folks. Who otherwise, you know, Joe Biden should be cleaning up with, and, and I mean that is the sustaining problem that Joe Biden finds in all of these polls is in these cohorts of the electorate he should be doing a lot better with. He's just simply not. Yeah, I mean we've mentioned on the show a bunch of times, but the metrics that aren't discussed in the DNC talkers are saying everything's going just fine. Is American credit card debt has hit an all-time high? Mm -hmm. uh, housing affordability has hit an all-time low, and so you take those two factors of you know, that credit card spending is just day-to-day. -day. Just your day-to-day -day spending, grocery, transportation, all that stuff is covered. And Americans are going into significant debt just to get by. And then to put a roof over their head, it's now the most unaffordable it's ever been measured on the housing indexes. Mm -hmm. the, the Biden economy is not working for everybody. So it goes on and on, right? It's not just the economy. I mean, Biden's deficit versus Trump on handling of immigration in the border mm -hmm. is greater than 30 points. The poll shows Trump holding a uh, massive lead on this. And look, I think this goes to the conversation we're going to have about immigration and the border. I don't think Americans are fooled about this. Mm -hmm. Like everybody knows that Congress was unable to pass any meaningful legislation related to border security during the Trump years. But Donald Trump took it in his own hands. And he did remain in Mexico. He did fight Title 42. He did all of the things that you would need to start reversing that, and it worked. Mm -hmm. Like, people are aware. If there is one thing in this election that the American people are aware of, just one, well, two. One is that Joe Biden is incredibly old. Yeah. But if there is a second, it is that there is a massive difference on how these two people would handle border security. Totally. I mean, that, that is ingrained to the point where you're, you're trying to convince that, like, you know, Democrats don't want to have single-payer health care. Yeah. Of course they do. Like, they've talked about it for 30 years. Like, this is ingrained into society. We know that. And this is happening now at a time of incredible strife on the border. Really bad news for Joe Biden. Yeah. Really bad news for Joe Biden. Um, so the advantage on uh, being competent and effective is a reversal from 2020, when Biden was ahead of Trump by nine points. Um, now uh, he's trailing, like very significantly. Uh, Biden's approval rating has declined to the lowest level, 37. Fewer, in th fewer than three in 10 voters approve of his handling of the Israel-Hamas war. Yeah. 
uh, altogether, these numbers explain why the poll shows Trump leading by five points. And then in addition to that, I think there was a, a question one of you guys honed in on where, like, if Trump was convicted of a felony, mm-hmm. uh, Biden was only leading by, like, inside the margin Yeah, of like, I think two. <clears throat> yeah. I think two. And, I mean, there's been, there's been other polls, earlier polls, that showed a wider spread on that sort of thing. I think a lot of it is sort of theoretical for the electorate right now. Yeah. I, ultimately, I don't know um, how it all goes down. I think the, the greatest strength that Donald Trump has in all of this is it seems like the Democrats trying to put him in prison are the most incompetent people possible. Yeah, <laughs> If you totally. look at all the stuff that's come out of Georgia with Fannie uh, and and the alleged affair she was having with the prosecutor. No she longer alleged. She, she said it. Oh, she true. confirmed it. She now. confirmed yeah, it. She confirmed it now. Yeah. So, I mean, they can't. They can't help but trip She's over like, hey, come themselves. On, no big deal, guys. <laughs> it's just incredible. <laughs> it's just it's just incredible. You know how 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 the electorate ultimately metabolizes that once it's real things mm-hmm. and there's discussion of it in news. I don't know. Obviously, I've been a very vocal you know person on all of this that it's bad news. All of it's bad news if it actually comes to trial. Um, but I mean, like, dude, you've said it a thousand times on Holmes. Is like elections aren't theoretical they are binary choices mm-hmm. and if you look at uh the number you read about the reversal of competence and effective yeah it's like the reason why biden um was favored and competent and effective was the backdrop of covid mm-hmm. and like Don- it- donald trump was in office and so everything um, the measuring stick is 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 what you know as it exists at that time that's right and now the measuring stick Sticks very clear. Joe Biden is is president, and we've seen all of his failures and how incompetent he is. Well, he's under the microscope, here. right? He yeah. is, and and I think I think that is an extremely important point, and and something that I, would, I just looked up here while you were talking, Michael, just for a frame of reference. Would anybody like to guess what Barack Obama's approval rating was uh, this week in February of twenty twelve? I'm guessing like forty five. He was at uh, you, you're you're pretty close. He was at forty seven. Yeah. And so if Obama, based on everything people knew about him at that point with Obamacare and everything else that nobody liked, was at 47 heading into a reelection. And Joe Biden is, at, is fully 10 points below that. I mean, that is serious alarm bells in the right. White House. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I will say just for the, the viewers who are trying to contextualize all of this, like all of these polls are very static. It's a moment in time in that they're capturing. And that is the case today. Um the Barack Obama is a, uh, deal is a good backdrop to that because he was facing somebody who was not defined nationally, and they took it, the opportunity to do that. They defined Mitt Romney entirely. Neither of these candidates are definable completely. Like, they're ubiquitously known. One is the current president of the United States. One is the former president of the United States. You have an opinion one way or another yeah. about all of them. So the approval thing, I don't think that's going to change. Like, I think you're going to see low 40s, high 30s, regardless. What could change is your ballot question. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we've been harping on overall is that if you look even in these crosstabs about where the consolidation but in the Democratic side is, it's just not there yet. doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Like, right. it, I, I'm a firm believer in if you bet against young people – and African-Americans voting against a Democratic candidate in a national election, particularly against Donald Trump, 
you are a idiot. Well, and then also, I think we sort of live in a new world in all of this, just with the way that negative partisanship works. And, you know, to the whole point you're making, like 37% is horrible. It is extremely, extremely low. I don't think Joe Biden has to get clo- close to 50 in order to figure out no. a way to win. Uh-uh. You know what I mean? No. Like the way that our politics work. You don't have to work, like him. Yeah. I, I think there's an awful lot of young people who hate Joe Biden's guts mm. yeah. who I think at the end of the day, come October, are like, I'm, I'm going to – I'll cast a mail-in ballot for him. Yeah. You know but, what I mean? But, but the, other, the other variable here is this is absolutely the most formidable, as Ashbrook has said uh, time and time again – Easily the most formidable Trump machine that we've seen since his since he came down the escalator. Sure, sure. And their capability of defining further to the mm. center of the electorate. I'm not talking about the the sort of Democratic base that will con- congeal at some point, but to the center of the electorate that creates a 50 plus one situation in states like, you know, not necessarily Ohio and Florida because I think he's already got that, but like North Carolina, Georgia. Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, places like that, they are much more equipped today than they ever have been at further defining and cementing a ballot question that looks a lot like yeah. an approval question yeah. than they've ever ever been. Yeah, because in cementing, because in addition to being able to define Biden a little bit more, they also have the ability to lock in what's already theirs. I mean, they have they have a... I mean, we've talked about this over and over again. You referenced it, but they have a team that is incredibly professionalized and able to turn out every single vote where you have Democrats who are dissatisfied with with uh, with Biden. The only reason his number is at 38 is because there is a huge number of Democrats who are like, I don't like this guy. Right. Whether it's because of what he's doing with the war in Israel or something else. That means those voters are dissatisfied with him and maybe not interested in voting for Trump. But maybe casting a protest vote for somebody like Cornell West, Jill Stein. Or not voting. Or not voting. Or not voting. And so you have you have Democrats who I know are terrified of the possibility that Donald Trump is on the ballot and their people are not reflexively like emboldened to turn out. Nightmare scenario to, 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 for them. To, to Ashbrook's point, real quick though, on, on the Cornell West thing and all of that, from what I've heard from Democrat operatives and all of this, is that's their greatest anxiety is looking at these national polls where Biden is losing and really not knowing yet what states is Cornell West on the ballot. Right. What states is Jill Stein? I mean, we assume Jill Stein will be in all of those states in the Rust Belt where yeah. it helped swing the election to Donald Trump in 2016. Yeah, but like that's one of their huge, huge anxieties. For the right first now. time, maybe since Ross Perot, yeah. we are not looking at a two-way ballot here. Right. We're looking at like maybe a three, four, five-way ballot yeah. that in each state is going to be different. Sorry, yeah. Smug, I cut you off. Oh, no, no, I was just saying that um, my theory of what ends up happening this fall is, first off, voters in general start tuning in more. But I think there's, for me, I feel like there's a history of Democrats coming home far more significantly than yeah. Republicans coming home. Like, yeah. Time and time again, we've seen a libertarian candidate cost us congressional yeah. seats. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it's been a problem before. Well, the, the internet, haven't it's really the internet seen, history. That is the, that's the funniest thing about our elections is as we get closer to election day, Democrats get more enthusiastic yep. and we get more disillusioned. Yep. Look, and you're not wrong because in 2020, Joe Jorgensen, her vote total was the difference in Wisconsin. Her yeah. vote total was the difference, I think, in Pennsylvania. 
may, I think in Georgia. And and so the the thing I worry about is, and I'm certain this is going to be the playbook for the Dems, is they're just going to ratchet up the fear. Like their play is going to be to scare the hell out of the electorate throughout this fall. They're gonna they're gonna hit abortion incredibly hard. And that the video clip from uh, President Trump speaking at that Fox Town Hall where he was like. Uh, the responsibility for for getting rid of uh, abortion is on me. You know, you're going to see that in ads constantly. Yeah. And they're going to use that to hope they're like, okay, we know we're going to be that party is incredibly dependent on suburban women voters. Mm -hmm. And so their tactic is going to be how scared can we get that group to just up up the turnout for them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And they have a good track record of success in that area. No question about it. All right, so coming up on Ruthless, uh, we're going to be dealing with this immigration bill. Controversy ensues, as Mm -hmm. it always does, (laughs) with anything about immigration. We'll discuss all of that. And then we've got the the Biden new booze committee, which is just incredible. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, some other stuff, some fun, some variety. It's going to be a good one. Some variety. Um, All right, so let's start with this security bill. Not surprisingly, look, if you've gone online or if your favorite news consumption is anything center right to right, uh, you're wondering what the hell is going on up there. Yeah. Because what has happened is there was a security supplemental request by the Biden administration to fund uh, basically the killing of Hamas uh, in Israel the continued Ukrainian efforts against Russia, some Taiwan stuff. And there was a consortium of conservatives who were like, if we're going to even consider this, even for a minute, we're going to have to have some border security because I don't know if you've noticed, we have literally 50,000 people a week crossing our our border. And I think that's minimum, right? Mm -hmm. Wolf, do you know the number on that by chance? It's it's over 300,000 a month. 300,000 a month. Right. 300,000 people a month crossing our southern border. So uh, not an unreasonable point to be when you've got some leverage. Um, many people agree with the mission in terms of Hamas, Ukraine, Taiwan, international stuff. Uh, but if you can get a little bit of leverage on the conservative side, go do it. So as this plays out, uh, Senator Lankford of Oklahoma takes it upon himself to negotiate with Democrats because, of course, Democrats control the Senate chamber and they control the White House. And so this is – if anything is going to get done on this, it's going to have to be a negotiation. You can't dictate it or otherwise it's just dead, Mm -hmm. right? I I think in all honesty, if you have any question about whether or not you have to negotiate it or it's just dead, you can see that Speaker Johnson in the House – said over the weekend that he will put on the floor just the straight security funding bill, which means the Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan funding bill without the immigration component whatsoever. Like they're going to vote on that. Democrats are probably going to be pretty united. And there's a fair number of Republicans that believe that that is important to do. I mean, they may have reservations with Ukraine or what have you, but they definitely think that the Israeli situation is something we ought to pay attention to. And so I, my guess is that passes one way or another. question is whether you do anything on immigration or not. And so Lankford went in, a series of negotiations. It took a very long time. It was just unveiled over the weekend to a very predictable response. 
uh, Smash, you and I have been doing this for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. We saw immigration bills that uh, Donald Trump would be in tears, overjoyed to receive, come out in 2005 that were branded as like amnesty, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if that hit the floor today, Donald Trump would be like, I'm so excited to be able to sign this bill because it was actually really seriously significant in terms of border security. And that has slipped over the years, time and time again. There's always a great reason for on the conservative side to not do immigration because it's something less than zero, mm-hmm. right? And we know that. And that's why I was skeptical about all of this coming in is because of like legislating as a Republican on the issue of immigration is like asking a Democrat to legislate Social Security, like, at some level, the temptation is too great to just be like, well, I would never, I would never uh, harm the savings of our seniors from mm-hmm. a Democrat standpoint. Right. And, and that's always been the way immigration is for Republicans. But in the interest of providing you some information, and then we'll discuss and give our views about what ought to happen here, um, Bill Malugin, the guy who's literally been at the border the whole time, broke down the entire bill, mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting, right? Not a, There's nothing good or bad about this. These are just facts. So he, he writes a tweet, my initial highlights from the border deal. No amnesty legalization of anyone already in the U.S. illegally. The reason that's important is because every previous deal that Republicans have ever done or attempted to do with Democrats, that was a precursor. You had to have it. Yeah, that was the trade-off. That was the trade-off. Like the, yeah. the Reagan amnesty. <clears throat> yeah, well, but but the 05, the, 07, or the Rubio 2012, thing and Rubio. Rubio is probably amnesty. I think it still might be. <laughs> <laughs> but all of them had that amnesty piece of it. Right. That's not a, a part of this. Funds uh, increase ICE detention capacity from approximately to approximately 50,000 from a currently 34,000. A uh, seven-day rolling average of 5,000 encounters per day or 8,500 encounters in a single day, DHS is required to shut the border down and turn away anyone who crosses. No new asylum claims will be allowed, and anybody crossing will be removed. Would end the whole idea of, I made it to the U.S. soil, you have to process me, which is currently the way that they operate is mm-hmm. is you get what 50,000 people a week that are rolling through saying you know I'm now on US soil you're going to have to do something about me and we do mm-hmm. that's current policy then they're here for 10 years and pe- and then they're never nothing ever happens right. they just they just live here uh border patrol would not uh process illegal crossers as they would be removed no asylum claim permitted unless it is made at a port of entry uh, this does not mean that 5,000 are quote-unquote allowed in. I've seen this talking point all over the Internet, which is like they see that 5,000 claim where it's like, okay, well, this policy basically codifies that 5,000 illegal entrants are allowed in at all times. So what happens to the 5,000? So my understanding was that they get processed as they are now. So this does not mean the 5,000 are allowed in before the authority kicks in. Single adults would be detained. Families would be released via uh, ADT. They call that uh, 
alternatives to detention. Uh-huh. Yep, you can have a problem with yeah. it. I, I, I mean, that's these are just the facts. But it isn't it isn't the catch and release policy that we've had in place. No, nowhere near because we're dealing with fifty thousand, not five thousand. Yeah. Um, and asylum cases we fast track to months rather than years. Uh, new rapid expedited expulsion system. Uh, those who fail would be quickly removed from the United States. Those who initially pass would be released with work authorization and 90 days supervision until final asylum is determined. The shutdown authority doesn't drop until the crossings decreased significantly in the days following the shutdown, meaning that if you exceed 5,000 crossings, they close it off altogether. Mm-hmm. Right? We're currently at 50,000. 50,000. In a week. Yeah. So if you don't do anything, you have 50,000. Under this bill... 35. You have 5,000 that are processed. A day, seven days a week, 35,000. Okay, but even if you do that, you... Well, I'm not sure that that's... I'm Listen, I'm not sure that's true. So we need some clarification on that because I heard Langford talk about it as 5,000 a week. And as it is talked about here, uh, well, Malugin doesn't dictate one way or another, but it, I, it, it is inferred that it is a day thing. Well, he, sa- he says in here, context, the border has seen at least 5,000 encounters almost every single day the last couple of years under Biden. If this bill were signed into law, the border would likely be shut down on the first day it takes effect. So this is the reason why I think it's worth full consideration, because we all think, you know, if Trump wins, he doesn't take office until January. Biden is letting three and a half million people cross the border illegally and into this country between now and January. It's just going to happen. And so I I think this is one of the top crises in our country. And if we can do anything about it, we might as well. When Trump comes in, he shuts down the border, he builds the wall, he does everything that he says he's going to do, and that's great. But why should we be held hostage to Biden over the next 12 months and not do anything? If there's a chance that we can reduce the numbers of illegals invading this country on a daily basis by some number. I just I think that I mean there's there's money in here for the border for the border patrol. These guys are putting their lives on the line every single day and you got Joe Biden and Karine Jean-Pierre and everybody else undercutting them every single day. And this bill tries to get them some money, tries to get them some support so that they have some help between today and the day that Donald Trump takes office again. And I think there's a lot of criticism about this bill. No, it's not perfect. That's why you have a process in the Senate for amendments. There's one other thing that Bill Malugin pointed out, that there's money in this bill that goes toward the NGOs. And these NGOs are infamously the groups who are bringing bringing these illegals into the country, not just from South America, but from China, from Africa, multiple continents where people are coming in here not to get jobs, but to do us harm. He said some of that money to the NGOs doesn't unlock until key border security metrics are hit with ICE detention beds, ICE and Border Patrol new hires, at least 1,500 deportation flights. This is is true. This is a point he's making. They link the NGO funding to the actual overall border security yeah. number. It, but if, if you're somebody who has a, an issue with any money going to the NGOs at all, 
file an amendment. That's what the process in the Senate is for. You know, I mean, if, if they start debate on this it, this week, it doesn't conclude this week. What I what I, my problem is, this is such an existential pro, like concern for our country that what we, we can't have the hyperbolic, melodramatic like claims about, well, I don't know. I can't we can't do this. This is, you know, and just like it's not 140 characters. It's 300 thousand people every single month coming across our border that are committing crimes in our communities and something needs to be done about it. File an amendment, change the bill, do something about our border or the country is going to be even worse than it is today. Uh, it's, I mean, look, it's well taken. There's a lot of a lot more here uh, also uh, talking about uh, funding to hire hundreds more ICE deportation officers, border patrol agents, Asylum officers greatly increases the number of de- deportation flights. No one unaccompanied minors can be removed, this which is, is like an issue. I know. Right. Why, why can't there be? Why can't there be more money that pays for more border agents? Why do these guys have to be there by themselves, getting attacked by the Biden administration? Why can't there be more guys? Like, why are we against? Why is anybody against that? And it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't, it, I don't think it doesn't absolve Biden. It doesn't absolve Biden of anything. We still, well, we, we can kick it off. There's more facts, but go ahead. I, I don't know if this is necessarily a choice between bourbon me real uh, quick. You know, either do this bill or it's all over. Like I don't think saying that you oppose this bill means oh you're okay with what Biden's doing. So first off, just just to, fix to, it. Just for, fix it to frame the argument. Speaker Johnson released a statement. He says uh, my joint statement with Steve Scalise, GOP Majority Whip, and Rep. Stefanik regarding the Senate's immigration bill. House Republicans oppose the Senate immigration bill because it fails in every policy area and needs to secure our border and would actually incentivize more illegal immigration. If House Republicans have said that they're done with it, doesn't that mean it's over to begin with? It's a wrap? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, 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 the border is not a wrap. You no, know the what I mean? Not like, a wrap, but like, I think my point bill. is, like, if they like, why don't they? Why don't they say, okay, Senate, you passed the bill. We're going to fix it so that it's stronger. We're going to fix it so it's different. You know, why, why not use what authority you have to actually stop this flow the of illegals? House, to their great credit, already passed a border security bill, mm-hmm. right? It, so we know what their point of view is. Yeah, but the, at the end of the day, this is just reality, is that what passes the House has to pass a Democratic Senate and has to be signed by a Democratic president. Right. And so and if I, they don't agree with where mm-hmm. Republicans have said that we need I, to have border security, it's on Joe Biden. It, well, I get that. And, and I, I agree with you. But if Joe Biden loses the election in November, it is February r- right now. Uh, the new president, like you said, after it's, it's, it's sworn in until January. So, so we're the actually new president about, is three and a half million illegals away. That's what so, I'm saying. So is it, it's on it's on House Republicans. The Republicans no. control only the House, no. not the Senate, not the White House. It's on House Republicans to fix no. all of America's problems. No, no. I guess what when, I'm like Democrats what, are trying to undermine them. I, I, this problem is created. By Joe Biden and Senate Democrats, no and especially Nobody Chuck argues. Schumer. Nobody's arguing that. Chuck Schumer in New York City, ask how they feel about migrants right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, you've got Democrats who are steaming mad about an open border. Let Chuck Schumer take take the blame on allowing this to continue. I, Fine. I, I, let I him think, take the blame. Look, I don't care. Like, the Democrats should get the blame. Joe Biden could sign three pieces of paper tomorrow and stop this whole thing. He's, exactly. not, he's not doing That's the it. Problem. That's he's the not problem. doing it. The problem is Joe Biden has shown absolute dereliction of duty when he could have— executive orders to go after this problem and he's refusing to so why should house republicans and 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 senate republicans feel the need to 
Okay, we'll let him have whatever he wants. Because the border is a problem, dude. Somebody has to stop this flow of illegals. And Biden is a terrible president. He's not going to do Abbott it. Abbott has tried, and, and you've seen this well, White is. House do He's everything they can to stop uh, Governor Abbott from protecting this border. So I think it's very clear the problem here is Democrats. It, the problem it is. here is not like... Why are Republicans pussies for not no, passing this? No, I no, disagree no, with no, that no, completely. No, no. I, 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 and like the 5,000 number, it's crazy. I, I, That's a crazy number. I, I, if, if, if the numbers that we like calculate out that you know, you know, you know, what, you know what's right? To 50, what's, what, is hold, on, hold on, let me 5,000 is lower than 10,000. Why wait until 5,000? Shut it down immediately. Well, It'd well, be great. But, Just do it. But that's, ruthless, ruthless that's show what, decides. That, hold on, that's hold the on, bill we put forward. Shut it down immediately. Shut it down. I need a moment for context on that. So as Malugin said because he's there yeah. watching it and you discussed earlier mm-hmm. the border has seen at least 5,000 encounters almost every single day the last couple years under Biden if this bill were signed into law the border would likely be shut down on the first day it takes effect okay and then so what reopens so, the following so, morning right so you can no no so no, there, there's provisions that I just read to our audience about when it would open and how it would open. Um, and it, 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 it's a, a 90, minimum 90-day 90 deal. So, so, this is, so what the bill is saying is that if 5,000 illegally enter, the border shut down for 90 days? Yeah, that they're that they're doing. That's a hundred. Let me just read. That's the rule. Let me read the. If five thousand enter, this does not mean that five thousand are allowed in before the authority kicks in. Single adults would be detained. Families would be released uh, with that thing. Asylum cases, fast track, yada yada. Uh, Those who would, those who fail, would be quickly removed from the United States, and those who initially pass would be with uh, work authorization. Um, So what you're saying is January first, let's say. 5,000 enter whatever this nebulous, whatever this thing is. That means the border shut down until April 1st. And then April 1st, 5,000 do whatever this is, the families, whatever. And then the, the, three months later, the border reopens. It's shut down every three. So be, there would essentially be four days a year that 4,000 are allowed in. Well, listen, it. listen, I, I I don't disagree with where you're coming from Cause I from, think, from the standpoint. I, hold on, hold on. Let me just explain this. I don't disagree. I think that's ridiculous. It's absurd. But there is a number that was agreed to here for Democrats to be able to say, like, oh, no, we're still, like, you know, open border Democrats, that immediately kicks in because we've been doing it every day under the Biden administration. So the question is not whether you allow 5,000 in. It's if you do absolutely nothing, we're letting 50,000 a week in perpetuity under absolutely no guidance from the federal government. That's where we're currently at. Which is the the total was like what three million? Three, it's three and a half million a year. Eight and a half million since the guy started. So so three and a half. So so the question is not whether you're saying we should allow five thousand in. The question is whether three and a half million is too much for you I over the next because that's year. The, I just that's, think, yeah. the, that's the disparity. It's, 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 I, it's, I think right it's now just how do how do we reduce the number before Trump gets in office? This is this a, an idea like this. It's not doesn't solve the problem. And, and it should be amended. It's not perfect. Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is true. The question is, is there anything that we can do between now and next January when Trump is sworn in to reduce the number of illegals here? Because you know when he's here, when he's president, he is going to kick all of them out. So, here's so the it, thing it is, makes his right job now, to kick them out easier. Right now in polling, when you have uh, Republicans crushing Democrats on the border, when you have Trump, what was it, 30 points ahead yeah. on the border against Biden to – 
Let Biden say, I signed into law a bill to help control the border and run ads on that all fall. But do you think Why that would that, you shoot ourselves but, like that? No, when we're not getting what we want. Well, no, I, we I, want think valid, I think that's extremely right. valid. It's a question point. of the politics of the issue. I, and I get where Trump is coming from on that. And I would have the exact same position if I was in Trump camp. I just think you have two things in front of you. One is an existential border crisis, which if you haven't experienced it in your own community, you will soon. Two is a locked electorate on one issue as it relates to Donald Trump. Like whether you love him, whether you hate him, you know that there is a massive distinction between him and Joe Biden when it comes to border policy. There, I would argue that Donald Trump could be defined, his policy views could be defined two ways. It's trade and border. That's it. Right? right? Everything else, he's kind of been open for business and he's done a lot of a lot of great stuff, but like he's open for business on it. Those two things he's never been open for business on. He's never been open for So if you're concerned about border security policy, this or anything else isn't going to change that because you already know that you're dealing with 5,000 or 50. He's dealing with zero. That's what he wants. He wants zero. So the choice there is very, very clear. And to be honest with you, I want zero. Yeah. That's I mean, what he's, I want. Because he did Title lose. 42. He did Remain in Mexico. The number can be zero. Right. This it is, can be zero. He's this not going to lose on the border. This issue alone Never would a, be enough for me to vote for Donald Trump. But this, what they're doing here, is not does not affect that one way or another. It's, it's like— I think, So up to me, this feels like the argument is being reframed completely as like— uh, the whole thing of we got to do something before Joe Biden leaves office if he's voted out in January. We have to do something between now and then. I think that's just, uh, you know, an argument that the Democrats would like is that they're saying, well, Republicans aren't doing anything about the border. That's no, the, no, that's no the but they can make they that argument. They, can, they will make that argument. Are, had four, when this doesn't happen, they will make that no, argument. No, no, no. The argument yeah, is going to be they, you've, they seen four years, you've seen four years of President Joe Biden. What's the border look like? That's yeah. the argument. No, I mean, like, it's look, a disaster. That 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 is a absolutely fantastic. Instead of letting him run as where he's like, argument. I signed into border law. The, yeah, but the, to Holmes's point, the toughest border bill ever. Donald Trump said, "I'm going to build the wall." Like, th there's no voter who's confused about who has a tougher immigration policy: Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Doesn't matter where we sign this bill or we don't sign this bill. I think ultimately the question is, is is making perfect the enemy of the the good here. Is it worth three and a half million people over the next year where Donald Trump is president and can and can fix the problem? Like, because that that's the reality. Then we send them back. Okay, we send them back. so but, another but three and a half million have, people. And, and send think, them back. I think part of what has gotten me because I don't like this. Like, I just don't like. It's not what I would do. But part of what has gotten my mind wrapped around it is I've dealt with it for twenty years, and I've watched this slippery slope. And there's always a great argument not to do anything. But I always think of it in the context of Democrats with health care. And every time they can take a little bite at the apple and reframe where the floor is, they do it. They reframe where the floor is, and they keep expanding eligibility. They keep making government a bigger part of your health care decisions. They keep doing it over and over and over again because they know they can't win the fight over universal health care. But they get closer and closer to universal health care because they expand Med Medicare, they expand Medicaid. Incremental expand wins. And, and incremental that's my fear wins. with and this. And pretty soon they have that. That's my fear with this is they're like, well, now the floor is 5000 a day. 
No, it's, let's keep playing. It's the opposite. They're gonna like in five years they're gonna demand the, Republican surrender buddy, and put it up to seventy five. No, 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 no. The floor right now is a hundred. The floor right now is three and a half million a year because Joe Biden wanted that to be the floor. He did. So when we take it back, but that's a in January. Switch. You once, can't. It's got to be one logical argument or another. The politics of it, I completely understand, and you're right about it. Like if you were confused about where people stand, and you could muddy the water with Joe Biden passing some kind of a bill on immigration, then you're right. That I agree. I happen to disagree with, but I understand people that make that argument makes total sense to me. If your argument is that somehow making incremental progress in terms of securing the border and enforcing them under penalty of law to do the right thing is a bad thing that you can't build upon in a Trump presidency, I don't buy it. Like that's never it's never been the case because we watched it work against us in every other form. If you wonder why it is that we are closer to a left or not, leftist nation today than we were 20 years ago, just watch the legislative strategy of the Democrats. Yeah, they take, keep taking bites of the apple at the entitlement state. They keep taking bites of the apple at all of these things. And they're never telling you that you're going to have universal health care, except all of a sudden you look up one day and everybody like 55 or older gets uh, universal health care. And anybody who's poor gets universal health care. And every child gets universal health care. And all of a sudden there's just like 15,000 of us suckers sitting around trying Pain to buy on the it. goddamn exchange. That's what they're doing you with immigration. I mean? it's, like, it's, yeah. it's what they're doing with immigration. So can I ask a- That's what they're doing, and we have to try to figure out how to reverse it. This may not... I understand. Let me just say, I understand the viable arguments against it. I understand the impassioned, like, anger that includes it, but I also understand a cottage industry that it's not about this at all. And the shit that you're seeing has nothing to do with this. It has everything to do with the other side of the bill. Can I ask a, a semi-related dumb question? So Bill Malugin, in that thread where he's discussing it, also said, uh, interesting context, the $60 billion in Ukraine assistance in the Senate deal is larger than the entire budget of the U.S. Marine Corps requested for fiscal year 2024, which was $53 billion. Is the money, that, th this money that goes to Ukraine, I mean, this is how uninformed I am on this, is that just straight up, here's the money for it? Or are we, like, selling them stuff, like, this no, is an IOU for $60 billion in, like, rockets we're sending. What we're doing is clearing out inventory, old munitions and inventory in the American um, But the defense. deal is they got to pay us money for it. Is that it? Well, like, I don't know that they—it's not like—no, because it's an appropriation, so it's not like a loan. And I understand why people have a problem with that. What Hawks will tell you— is that there is no under no circumstances could you ever get Democrats to agree to rebuild in a very serious way the American defense system the way it needs to be for the 21st century unless you did something like this where you were clearing out the old munitions and using the appropriated dollars to go finance because I'd heard there's like stuff. some World War II stockpile stuff that's been sent over yeah so is this like a check for $60 billion? No, or is it like, no. here's like a billion dollars worth of World War II rockets? No. And that I, counts towards that number. I mean, I, the tougher thing, the tough thing for me to give you like a, a Sherman-esque answer on it is I think it's a mixture, right? There's a huge amount of munitions that have come out of American stockpiles, no question. But those are priced, and that's in that appropriation. There are also checks that you're talking about 
that deal with humanitarian aid and everything else. And I, I understand that conservatives have some problem. I mean, I look, I have problems with the idea that every dime is not accounted for at some level. Um, was yeah, that was. Uh, but there is was that House Republicans there, put for there is that, new authority. That they demanded. Yeah, yeah. There, there's new authority in this legislation for an inspector general who oversees the Ukrainian aid to audit the spending. Because I, I and they're, account, and they're accountable to Congress, right. which is different than than basically being like. Oh, the Biden administration. Are we all good? And you're like, yeah, they're we're all right. Good. Probably, <laughs> probably, probably. Hunter Biden is the authority on the Ukrainian yeah, aid. Yeah. He's Pro- the Ukrainian aid czar. Probably wouldn't have been added in if not for the the protests of House Republicans. Right. So I look. All of this is to help you provide some context for all of this. Like, I completely understand if like 90 percent of our audience come down on the side of like, why would you do this? Because the politics do get money and we're spending more money on all this foreign stuff than we are on the border itself i mean i get that you i, I totally get, I get it. that i totally get it but but it's not as simple as look the loudest voices in the room on this thing the people who are like my god they've sold us all out don't give a shit about the border they've been in congress for like <coughs> two decades they haven't done a goddamn thing literally not a goddamn thing they didn't even cheerlead Donald Trump while he was doing it. They hid under their desks while he took the heat. And then their one thing that they care deeply about is to make sure that we don't kill Hamas. That's it. And I'm being deadly serious about that. I'm talking about people like Mike Lee. Mike, oh. Mike Lee is a perfect example of it, the only thing that he really wants to make sure of is that we don't kill Hamas. That's it. He doesn't give a shit about the immigration bill. If he did, would he have spent the last 12 years of his congressional career, now 14 years of his congressional career, doing jack shit on the issue? Would he have? No. It was Donald Trump who did something It was Donald Trump. It wasn't Mike Lee. But it wasn't Mike Lee that rushed to say, like, God bless Donald Trump to do that. In fact, it was Mike Lee that was on the floor of the convention trying to prevent Donald Trump to be president. Exactly. So, like, be careful where you get your sources of information and make sure... (laughs) that what you're talking about here is somebody who's arguing about the same things you are, not just trying to use your argument as an argument for something that they want. And that's what's going on with a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff. So, you know, I look. That's pretty exciting. <laughs> Taking shots at a sitting center, that's awesome. Oh, dude, I'll do it all day. I'll do it all day. I mean, look, I've seen enough of these guys. We know him, right? He's been on the show twice. And I know when he stood in front of us on this show and gave us interviews and talked about the things that he cared about, that he actually didn't care about any of it. I know that. I know that now. I didn't know it when we interviewed him. But this is the reason why you listen to this show is because when we do an interview and you listen to what they have to say. And you give them the benefit of the doubt. And then you give them the benefit of the doubt. And then they show up two years later doing the exact opposite shit that they told you about. You're going to hear about it from us. You're going to hear about it. And that's a perfect example of an individual who has gone way, way out of his way to just completely pervert anything that he's told voters that it is that he's supposed to do. And so my, my last question for you, you're more, far more of a, a specialist when it comes to how Congress works than I am. Does Speaker Johnson and House Republicans saying that they want nothing to do to, with this bill mean it's, it's a wrap? I think it does. And But I, I also think, look, they got themselves— it, 
Do you want to know like the actual yeah, legislative dude, machinations? I, I don't of know this? how it works. All right. So, what happened was the Mike Lees of the world in October of last year all went to the border, proclaimed an absolute catastrophe, came back and said, under no circumstances will we ever approve any foreign funding, any security package, if we don't do something about the border first. Okay. So, Senator Lankford of Oklahoma, who's a diehard conservative. There's not a more conservative member of... He's probably the most attacked individual in this country right now. Totally. But so he's t- he takes it upon himself to go work with Democrats to see if they can come up with something at the behest of this conservative flank of the Republican Party that wants to do something about it. So he goes and months and months and months. You can only imagine how horrible it would be to try to negotiate with Biden Democrats a border deal, right? I mean, that's got to be the worst task in the history of the world. What he emerges with is something less than perfect, but it's what we discussed. And um, immediately the Mike Lees of the world are like, why in the world are we even talking about the border? Same guys, same guys who said they wouldn't deal with any sort of security package without it are now saying like, oh my gosh, why would we ever do anything about it? And like the only thing, the only inner thing that happened between the two times was like Donald Trump said he didn't want it. And so all of a sudden now Mike Lee shows up and he's like, you're a sellout and you're all cowards and you're not doing what needs to be done. And it would, it wouldn't have even gotten started if it wasn't for people like him. It's just incredibly disingenuous. It would never have started without people like him. Yeah. And so, so like what it means practically is that you have half the Senate Republican conference. They all sat in the same meeting where Mike Lee and the rest of them did their thing and deputized Lankford to go do it. Now, half of that conference that was sitting in those meetings feel like it's a total bait and switch for Lankford, Mm. that you sent him into the lion's den to try to negotiate the impossible, and you're sure as shit not going to portray to the American public that, like, you're undercutting your own colleague for the sake of your own politics, right? So they're going to stick with them out of integrity. It's not because they think this is a great bill. And what they told, I mean, you saw that the headlines two weeks ago where McConnell said, I think the politics have changed. I'm not sure we should do the security, the, the border bill. That half of the conference said like, hell no, we were here while those guys said we had to do it. We just ran this guy through hell the very least we're going to do is make sure that we vote on this thing. Mm. And we're not voting for anything that doesn't include it. So you got half of the conference saying we're not voting for anything that's not going to include it. The other half of the conference is saying, why are we even talking about immigration? <laughs> and, and like you have in the, in the meantime, a very real security issue where like if you're going to take out Hamas, you need to fund that operation. And that's the thing that's driving all of this. Now, a third of the, of, of the group that is like, why are we talking about immigration? Their true goal is to just make sure that we don't fund the killing of Hamas. That's it. That's it. Because they don't believe in foreign funding. They think you can erect walls around the United States and that China will somehow not be a, a, a problem. And I, that, I, I and think that, there's a lot to be said that the politics have changed. They have. And also that I think there needs to be some serious clarification on what that 5,000 means because— <laughs> 
to me, that number is astronomical. Like, I'm not saying yeah. that uh, uh, I'm okay with the current number by any means, but I'm not okay with 5,000 a day if that's what that means either. I think there should be a lot of clarification to begin with, and clearly they've done a terrible job, uh, uh, Langford and everyone, putting down what this 5,000 means. If we're sitting here trying to figure out exactly what 5,000 means and, and everyone here is like completely obsessed and focused on politics 24-7, that means there's a serious problem that they've got there. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a serious problem. So in the end, what this means, and I'll just wrap this up, the House has said they're not going to do it. I'm not surprised. Um, but they've also said they're just going to put the security bill on the floor over there in which you've got, you know, everybody but the squad on the Democratic side that is for it, basically. I mean, literally. It's everybody but like our our uh, slam poetry guy and yeah, Jamal Bowman, yeah, and, and Corey Bush and the mm-hmm. rest of them. So outside of that, you're gonna have at least sort of 35, 40 Republicans that are in favor of it. So now you just don't get any border security. So now we're back to 3.5 million or whatever, and that's the binary choice. It's not about whether this is great or good and i could give two shits right if they pass it or not. i mean it doesn't matter to me like I, I i think the only way to fix immigration is to have a willing executive to do it right that's right which is why which is the argument for donald trump and that's great but like ultimately it's not about oh we're going to codify 5000 people coming in that's never even that's not even if if i asked you to 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 sign a, an insurance policy uh, health insurance policy where the copay was $75 and then they pick up the rest and your first prescription that you got was 75 bucks and you knew that the rest of the thing was going to like be taken care of, you'd sign it in a heartbeat, right? And that's what this kind of is in in many ways. But I just, it's it's so ridiculously characterized that I feel like we owe it to our audience and I don't care where you come down on it. To at least give you no, the facts. It is. It's important for because the context is important because there's so much opposition to this, and people are like, "Wait a minute! Why would anybody in their right mind push for something like this if if the entire conservative universe is lined up against it?" And it really is about what happens between now and January 21st, 2025, when Trump takes over. Do we let three and a half million more in, or do we let half of that in? And I mean, it's just it's up to it's up to everybody listening. It's always great to do nothing, too. You know, like there's no bad politics in doing absolutely nothing <laughs> ever under any circumstance. Uh, All right. Uh, let's get to this alcohol thing. This is new. We've, we've covered it be- before, um, but it is a, a, a new deal. And I think we've got a clip. Can I can I play clip two where we just sort of uh, set this? KJP. <laughs> This is this week. I like that's good. Last week. Uh, I have another question that you probably uh, were not expecting. Okay. Does President Biden want to limit Americans to two beers a week? I, I, where is this coming from? It's maybe coming. I did. Maybe I didn't miss you so much. Where is this? Where is this coming from? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Dr. George Koop, who is the uh, director of the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. Uh-huh says the U.S. may soon follow Canada and recommend just two beers a week. How do you guys think that's going to go? Let me tell you what I'm not going to get involved in, in, uh, in, that, in that question right there. I, I have no idea. I've not seen the data. Uh, I cannot speak to this. Uh, I will leave it to the experts and not 
when. So if the experts say two beers a week, I, that's okay I, with I, I, I will leave it to the experts. I'm very I funny. I don't trust the experts ever. No, no. I, I love how she says, I'm just, I'm just going to go ahead and trust the experts. Yeah, like I'm done with that, so Tucker. I, I'll I, tell you that. I think that press conference was actually from uh, the, the the fall of last year. And, and let's, let's take it back, because when we talked about this previously on the show... Um, well, we clearly follow the policy. Yeah. <laughs> I think, we do today! I, we do just, today! Just like the, I don't think there are very many Canadians listening to Doc Koob. Yeah. I mean, have you ever heard of Molson? For crying out loud, in Toronto, they're drinking two a minute. <laughs> so, so It's not two a week. The, 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 back, the background here is that uh, January of last year, Canada... Remember, we covered it on the show. In, yeah. in Canada, they released those new guidelines where they were recommending people consume two or less drinks a week. Yeah, and the backdrop was that the people who put that in place and those recommendations in place were Americans yes. and tried to do it here for many years and then ended up in Canada where they had a more receptive Trudeau Yes, and got it done. Right, but now it's creeping back towards the United States, right? So uh, the Daily Mail had an article up um, that said that Quote, Biden's alcohol czar warns Americans could soon be told to limit themselves to just two beers per week under strict new booze guidelines. Uh, from the article, Biden's health czar told DailyMail.com the USA, USDA could revise its alcohol advice to match Canada's, where people are advised to have just two drinks per week. Dr. Koob, mm -hmm. who admits enjoying a couple of glasses of Chardonnay a week, of course, said he was watching Canada's big experiment with interest and we'd warned about these people in, in, in august of last year it was if i remember it was episode 336 off the top of my head i think that was <laughs> because we ridiculous. always warn people of what's coming in the pipeline and this is insanity i yes. mean if you think about it, this is just completely insane so so, so corinne jean pierre from the podium there says well that's crazy i don't know anything about that i guess we'll just trust the experts the thing that's really interesting and the reason why we're bringing this story up is some things that we've learned in the interim period here mm, Interesting is that the Biden administration actually carved out alcohol. You know, every every five years or so, um, Congress uh, revisits the dietary guidelines in the United States, right? Yep. Like the food pyramid and all of those things, like how much pasta you should have or like how much red meat you should have and all of these sort of things. So the Biden administration, while she's you know, stands up there and pretends like she doesn't know where any of this is coming from. The Biden administration in HHS has actually carved out alcohol from those dietary guidelines in Congress. Yeah. Right. And they actually went ahead and they um, they approved a a new committee of people looking at alcohol and how much alcohol America's and, and, and Americans this is, should this, consume. This is the new news. They this is the new, new news. They have a new committee. Yes. Mm. That is actually. They being the Biden administration. Yes. Right. Okay. That is basically doing, and it may be the same people, by the way. Yes. It, it may be the same people. It could be the same people that were passing these guidelines in Canada are now behind this effort in the United States, sort of cloak and dagger behind the scenes. And all of this used to be like a very public process, transparent in Congress, where they go through these dietary guidelines on things like, you know, like I said, like you know, how much pasta you should have or like alcohol consumption, those sorts of things. But now they've got this new sidecar or sidecar uh, project that the Biden administration is is looking at reviewing how much alcohol Americans are allowed to consume. It feels mm. very much to me like the gas doves. Yeah, it does. Menthol cigarettes. Right? Perfect it's example, like, man. It, it's like, mm, 
No, I mean, jeez, we wouldn't consider doing something like that. And they always lie. That's the thing is these bastards lie about it. Like, <laughs> they have, it's always their committees, man. Like, you cannot trust these committees. They'll always be like, secretly, there'll be some committee planning out this crazy shit. And yeah. then publicly, they're going to be like, oh, of course we're not doing that. No, we're not going to take your gas stoves. And then a hundred articles come out about how this committee's recommending it. And that you've got the Biden administration working glove in hand to make sure that and they, Americans and can't and have their gas stoves. And they send the spokesperson out be like, what? Yeah. That's, what, I mean, what are you talking about? That's, that's another... the most insidious thing. Like, this whole just system that they have of like, well, I leave that to the experts. Well, smug, it's just, a, smug, it's just smug. like, we can trick the you scientists. people smug. into thinking we're not actually going to do this to you. You don't believe smug. in let, science? Let me tell you the names of these organizations, these these uh, oh, God. these experts that are going to be weighing in on alcohol. And you tell me what you think about whether these people can be unbiased in, in discussing how much adult Americans should consume. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration and the Interagency Coordinating Committee on the Prevention of Underage Drinking. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're going to take your booze. These boys people are and in girls. charge now. They're going to do it. It's absolutely incredible. They're going to do it. All right. So next story. Thank um, you for bringing that to our attention, Michael. Of course. Have you guys seen? Have you guys have seen the Apple headsets thing? Yes. Yes. So I'm like. Uh, you I'm, said the cyber truck, the guy with the cyber truck, and these. Well, on. let's let's play some clips. Can we play some clips? Just uh, these are things that caught our eye over the weekend. Oh so, my god! Uh, cats in a New York City subway. This yeah. is the most. So so, <laughs> this is the most dangerous thing you could do. <laughs> You're gonna have some kid take that thing off your face in Wait, the subway and sell it. Wait, what is what's he? What is that? Is that person walking a cyber dog? Yeah. Oh my god. What is what and is And then this person is driving a Tesla truck where they're quite obviously they have the headset on and they're also on their computer. The the headset thing. Yeah. So this is why folks you got to subscribe to the YouTube so you can see this kind of ridiculous I mean I I saw this video of this dude on the subway <laughs> and I was like there is if, if, if he doesn't have some friend or someone filming it for him which that would be my guess right there. He's going to get robbed. You will get robbed of that thing in record time in the New York City subway. Some kid's going to grab it off your face, and it's going to be sold for two bands within 30 minutes. Totally. Gone. Gone. Totally. So what we're talking about is uh, what Apple says is spatial computing, which is very different than VR, virtual Mm -hmm. reality, that we've talked about with, like, Facebook and others have come up with this. But it's a $3,500. They look like ski goblet goggles Mm -hmm. essentially and all it is is like you throw the goggles on and it looks like your computer is just all around you and you just touch it spatially and deal with that um like i'm not naive enough to think that like this is not maybe the way things are going that just doesn't seem that great to me is so, that just me? So I, 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 I just Googled real quick. It says the average mortgage payment in the U.S. is $2,300. This thing is 50% more than a mortgage payment. <laughs> I mean. And, and I saw this uh, article. I, I was reading about it. And the number one thing, they did this like a poll asking people about this headset. Those who were actually familiar with it, the number one thing they knew about it was its price. They, did, they, they mm. couldn't tell you, like, what spatial computing is. They couldn't tell you what apps it runs or what you can do with it. But everyone knew the price of this. And I think if you're selling a product and the only thing someone knows about it is the price, that's, that's a problem. That's, that's a tough, tough. deal. Mm-hmm. That's a tough deal. It also just doesn't do it, – it, it doesn't do the, like, stuff that the virtual reality 
stuff does. Like what do you look, like? What do you mean? Well, like, I mean the virtual reality or the augmented reality, where you're you're playing a video game. You're either playing a video game or you can like like Microsoft, Microsoft did this presentation like ten years ago of when they were working on augmented reality, and it was like you could have if you're like a, a an engineer or if you're a medical student, you could have like on your table, like uh, if you're a medical student, like a human heart, right? And then you could have a, a professor teaching yeah. the kids, being like, okay, here's how the blood flows. And they, you could even do like a dissection, right, mm -hmm. on the table. And it's like you see everything in the world normally except for on the table you have like, you know, a, a heart or whatever dissection you're doing show up, right? Yeah. So like that's somewhat I useful. Can see value. You, I can see value in that. I can see – look. Useful application. This shit is going to happen. But the, do you – This ain't it. Do no. you think the majority of people are using it for that? You Studying hearts – you know what you're doing. I mean, no. at the end of the day, when you come home and your like 17 year old is humping the couch right. with the headset on, yeah, you know, I watched like, I you watched all of up. those clips and I was like, please, you know what's up. please, Jesus, just come back. <laughs> do you, do we not live in a world enough where we're isolated in our own world? I mean, seriously. No, seriously, it's a good question. We need more. More antisocial behavior? I think, I think, so. You're, what's antisocial about the guy everything wearing we've the goggles? Talked about, everything we've talked about. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Everything we've talked about on this show from top to bottom is a, like, literal direct line of antisocial behavior. Right. Like, the reason why we have opinions the way we do and that they're so hardened and so. Yeah, nobody is, can talk to each other. Because nobody no. can go out and talk to each other. I, I, I have to say, like. I was I, I saw this thing when it was released and, and you know they're saying oh it's all this like it's it's a big it's big fucking goggles and they're mm -hmm. apparently like super heavy mm. super heavy like twice as heavy as the ones that Facebook yeah. put out right but I think like in 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 thirty years like think where technology was thirty years ago we didn't even have iPhones you know what I mean like we had flip phones if you're lucky yeah right yeah boomers among us you remember that. <laughs> What Imagine what this is going to be like. That too. Look, in, in 30 years, this thing is going to be like a pair of Ray-Bans. Wait a minute, like the ones you're wearing? You know what I mean? Like it's going to get down to the point where it's not sunglasses. Classy. It's not it, it's not going to be a ski goggle with a battery where like half the people on the subway are like, I'm going to rob this dude when he gets out at the stop. It, it, it's going to look like Ray-Bans. Because like uh, way long ago when Google Glass had their thing, right? It looked yeah. weird because it was like fake glasses and a little thing. Yeah, that didn't work. And Facebook put out this this pair of Ray-Bans last year that like you could shoot photos with and have like a little light on the thing so people know if you're shooting photos. And that got good reviews because it looks like a normal pair of sunglasses. Like you no one wants to wear and be shut off from the world. Ski goggles, right? Yeah. Like they're not even fun when you're skiing. Yeah. But a pair of sunglasses and it's going to come because it's like eventually the technology is going to get there and people are like, "Okay, if I can be walking down the street, and I can check my email as I'm walking down. I can I can shoot you know some text messages. No. That's going to be doable. Okay, but you know what's smug. Happened. You know what's going to happen. Smug, you I'm are gonna, more I'm dialed gonna in. I'm going to get a compound. I'm going to get a compound, and I'm going to live off the grid. If it comes to every person I look at, like in the subway, is wearing this shit and doing this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to live in that world. I will depart from that world. I, no, no, I, I welcome it. I'm not. I'm not a doomer. I'm not like I'm these not like climate people who are like, no, we have to stop technology. Can I, can I give I one upside? Can I give one upside? So I've I've watched with the Facebook product, there's integration with uh, like baseball, and they've had kids put these things on and have like regulation bats 
where they can go in their backyard. So you can do like a batting cage? And they can actually do batting cage okay, stuff. So that's cool. In the backyard. Where like kids who can't go do, you know, they, there's a limited amount of batting cages. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. And so they're like all day, they're just taking pitches. Like that kind of stuff. I'm all, I love that. And, 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 and that's where I'm at, dude, is like I'm all for the specialization of this technology for things that would be valuable for somebody. You draw the line at humping the couch. No, what I, but what I'm saying, <laughs> like, like, like somebody who's in medical school being able to examine a human heart you know, through VR or something yeah. or, or batting cages or somebody who is like a paraplegic being able to travel the world through VR, I think is a, an incredible gift for people like that. But if I walked onto a bus <laughs> in metropolitan DC or got on an airplane and everybody was wearing goggles and typing like that, I I I, you'd, I you'd would want to I would want to exit the human race. I, I'll tell I'd you what, exit my, the human con, race because I love people more than I love technology. I, my, I'm my, a person who loves technology. Is, is not someone someone typing on the subway. My concern mm. is the dude with the knife who's going to stab everybody. Can I right? Like, come on, I, man. I don't I care if someone's suggest, typing. Should I just suggest for the because we're committed to integrity here on this program that if Michael Duncan was to enter a city bus, uh, it, what he prescribed is the end of his life. Uh, would already be taking place, regardless of whether the goggles are <laughs> I mean, that, like, I fully support push the technology as far as possible. I love technology. Let's, I love, I love let's, people let's more than it, technology. Let's, let's make things get crazy. You Smug, know, Smug, are you you're dialed into technology almost more than anybody else we know? Are you saying here on the show that inside of the glasses you're wearing right now, you're not looking at your email? You don't have like we'll a get display. There. We'll get there. We're looking at you naked. I mean, <laughs> so that's what I mean, we're gonna we're eventually gonna get there. So I, I think this is, in, in a way, this is kind of like. The problem that we're facing with TikTok of can there be negative outcomes? Absolutely. But if there's like uh, it's going to go there. You've already seen YouTube's putting out YouTube shorts. There's Facebook shorts, Instagram shorts. You know, like the technology is going to follow. Not all of them are going to be TikTok where they're trying to brainwash the children. You know, YouTube shorts is, you know, a lot Dude, of it is, is crafts and games. Right, so I think you're going to go to a place where there's, you know, Ray-Ban sized goggles. You know, med school kids are going to be doing their surgery on it and whatever. And if the thing is, is China wants to get there before us. Yeah. So any Dude, technology we don't try to be first in, is, they're going to be first. If I, if I could point. subscribe to your newsletter that's it. based on yeah. that that's conversation, it. We win. I would I don't, do it. I don't disagree. What you just that's said was Duncan point. wants to surrender right. to China yet again. No, I just don't want everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't ever, I want everybody on the public bus to be looking at porn and typing on their computer. That's all I want. <laughs> Hump in the bus seat in front of them. Oh, you know. oh, oh. But I did read uh, about uh, the goggles. It can't play porn. Like Steve Jobs, very specifically, was always like he wanted his products that, guy, huh? that kids could use the the products that they make safely. Mm. So that thing can't play porn. He God better tell he better tell Lorraine because I think she's invested in a lot of people who think otherwise. <laughs> Come right. back from the dead. <laughs> Poor guy, dude. His money's going to all the terrible <laughs> shit. Uh, all right. So it, 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 this is just a fascinating story, and it comes like in the heart of Wolf's country. You know, you wonder why Wolf was such a hardened Marine. He grew up with stuff like this. Uh, the Bay Area School District spent $250,000 on quote-unquote woke kindergarten program. Oh, my God. Guess what happened, Michael? Oh, what happened? What do you think? What do we think we happened when we gave $250,000 on woke uh, kindergartens? I, they, think, they I think the test scores probably went further down. Uh, you're right again. <laughs> You're right again. I don't know what would lead you. You must be a savant. Yeah. 
because a Hayward Elementary School struggling to boost low test scores and dismal student attendance is spending $250,000 of federal money for an organization called, literally called, Woke kindergarten. Yeah, it, that's that's it, the thing. It really is called woke kindergarten. It's literally oh called. God. You said you said up top like quote unquote. No, they literally called it that. Woke kindergarten <laughs> uh, to train teachers to confront white supremacy, Jesus. disrupt racism and oppression. Cool. And remove these barriers for learning. The woke kindergarten sessions train teachers on concepts, a curriculum that's available to use in classrooms with any of uh, Glassbrook Elementary's 474 students. These sessions are funded through the federal government meant to help the country's lowest performing schools boost student achievement. Oh, but what happened? Oh, it didn't work? I'm shocked. Two years into the three-year contract, woke kindergarten and for-profit company. Of course it is. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Student achievement at Glassbrook has fallen prompting teachers to question whether the money was well spent given uh, the needs of the students who were predominantly low income. Two-thirds of the students are English learners and more than 80% are Hispanic and Latino. Uh, last bullet on this is English and math scores hit new lows oh, man. last spring with less than 4% of students proficient <laughs> in math. Will you read that again? All, read that again. Less than 4% of students were proficient in math and under 12% at grade level English, a decline of 4% in each category. Can, can, can I say something that's kind of unrelated? But it, it, it's just, I think, the stupidest thing possible and the strangest thing possible of you have Democrats pushing this kind of woke garbage where it says right here their curriculum is talking about how uh, to confront white supremacy, disrupt racism and oppression, right? And it says here that this school is 80% Hispanic Latino. So you're you're teaching essentially immigrants that welcome to a country that all the white people hate you. Is, yeah. is there any wisdom in this? <laughs> I mean, all, all, also, also, like, I was to, I was told for the last couple of years that woke as a concept was a thing invented by yeah we didn't do that alt right alt right people invented that to yeah. make you scared of diversity it was racism it was racism that yeah. woke isn't a real thing and now we have a company that's literally called woke but what i think is interesting here and it, it goes beyond education it goes into things like the homeless problem it goes into like like the ngos at the border is that we have in this country a insidious cottage industry of people that institutionalize failure mm. and they profit from failure. That's right. Ooh. And That's it's, right, dude. It's, it's one of the scariest things that exists in our democracy. And we don't really even think about it because it's not legislated. And well, you could say it is uh, involved in even the legislative process. Right. And it's scary to think how many of our tax dollars goes to things we know will fail and failure is part of the reason it still exists. Yeah. yeah. That is that is psychotic behavior. Because if you deprive them from their failure to try to make them succeed, you are a racist. Right. And that that is that truly is. All, all we need go. is another pilot program. Yep. When we, and we're going to solve it. You you wait and see. I mean, it's just so sick. And and the people that hurt the people that hurt the most from this is the people that need the help the most. It's people who, you know, are in desperate situations crossing the border or or, or, or kids who can't four percent, four percent proficiency. Yeah. And proficiency right? that's that doesn't mean they're doing calculus. So it's like it, it's like it's means... the, it's these groups, the, these underserved communities actually suffer the most while they're getting quote unquote the most help. And that is the most insidious thing of it all. Yeah, it's disgusting.
All right. Uh, do you guys want to find out what was in a garage? Sure. What? What are we talking about? This is this really, could be terrifying. This is really unbelievable. Like genuinely unbelievable. Okay. Um. So according to Yahoo, there was a nuke-capable air-to-miss air-to-air missile found in a garage. Nuke in Washington State. Wait, it was a. a yeah, so a rusting rocket discovered in a man's garage in Washington State is in fact an inert nuclear missile, police have said. Authorities contacted a man in Bellevue after he called the Air, and F- Air Force Museum offering to donate a military-grade rocket that belonged to his late neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said that the neighbor had bought the item at an estate sale. <laughs> An estate sale. Yeah, this Who's is estate. Insane. Wait, can, John, can back, can we, <laughs> there was a lot packed into the description like, of this. Oppen- so here it is. He's like, Look, Oppenheimer's garage sale, bro. Right okay, it's on our YouTube. That's the sucker right there. That's this like is not, not a, a small item. Number one, how does that fit in a garage, bro? Like, this guy's got a serious garage. Will you go but back? I, I, also, can you imagine rolling up to a estate sale? It's like, oh, I was looking for a trinket or two, but is that a nuclear missile? So air to air. Air, yeah, so this is we're gonna have to unpack this. So that is awesome to begin with. We're gonna have to unpack this because this is what something that the variety program has stumbled upon that was not advertised at the top of this situation. Uh, the Bellevue Bomb Police Technician Squad said it was a Douglas Air Two Genie, an unguided air-to-air rocket that is designed to carry uh, a nuclear warhead. Uh, they said that no warhead was attached, and the da- and there was no danger of an explosion. Seth Tyler, a spokesperson for the Bellevue Police Department, said the device was, quote, just basically a gas tank for rocket fuel, unquote. He told the BBC that it was not serious at all, and our bomb squad member asked me why we were releasing a news release on a rusted piece of metal. All right. Well, here's the reason. <laughs> this So somewhere, somehow, a uh, in like the late 50s, early 60s, we had created a number of different nuclear delivery devices. And this one was a very, like, fairly primitive device, nuclear nevertheless, mm-hmm. that uh, was designed air to air. My first thought was, we used to be a country. <laughs> when you absolutely have to make sure you win the dogfight. <laughs> Can you imagine nuking a plane? That's the most, that's the damnedest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Right. I I just can't imagine the dogfight. It's like, you know what? This dude's pretty good. He's dodging the shit I've shot so far. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to fire the nuke and just afterburners the hell out of here. But here's the catch. Right. So, so you, 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 you play a lot of Mario Kart with your kids. Yeah. Right. It's the green shell. It's the green shell. It's not the red shell. It's not, it's not even guided. It's not guided. It's the green shell. It's unguided. Yeah. This sucker was unguided. Green shell nuke is oh, yeah. like, <laughs> if, it, if it doesn't hit the plane, it will. It's going, it's going, it's somewhere. It's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. It's going I mean, somewhere. It's tough to miss with that one. I kind of understand <laughs> why none of these Douglas Air 2 genies were never deployed. Because I think to deploy them would mean that anywhere you were above in such dogfight would be in grave danger. <laughs> Is this what they're, is this what they're sending to Ukraine? <laughs> so we've sent uh, part of the eighty five billion dollars was uh, seventy five Douglas Air Two Genies. <laughs> and what a great name, dude! The Genie. 
Like, I wish I'd win this dog fight. Just pull the trigger on it. If you don't, it's going to be real bad. It's, it's a wrap, dude. Amazing. But I love, I love the idea that this dude was just hanging out at an estate sale, and he's like, hey, what's up? Like, well, it's my nuclear weapon. Yeah, it's like finding a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. Yeah, it is like it's sure. like a Scotty Cameron putter. You know, you're like, what do you want for that? I mean, that, like 25 bucks. that is the most mind-blowing thing. Is like you go to a garage sale, usually it's like some mom selling her kids baseball cards, the poor kid. Yeah. Right? They're going to be worth a million dollars when he's 40. But, you know, she's selling them anyways. She's like, I got baseball cards there. I got some, like, doilies and whatnot on that table. Nukes in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> what? Also very insulting he didn't include it in his will. Nobody, <laughs> yeah, right? nobody got it. Just so, sat there in I, the garage. That's the thing is like if if, if if a family member had an inert nuke, I want that, man. Yeah, you want that. I nuke. want that. I mean, a good – like we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, whether they be fossils or like a, like a T-Rex head. Like Nicolas Cage like had that. the T-Rex skull. Yeah. Uh, like nuke. Is probably is up there. I mean, it's up there, right? How, how does that go down, though? Like, it's got to go in the foyer, right? No, I'm, you I'm, want T Rex skull yeah. to welcome the guests, <laughs> or you'd be like, "Yeah, that's a nuke." How, how, how is it? How is it that you leave planet Earth without informing people that you have a nuke? <laughs> well, I think if you if you put that in, you the, know? if you spell that out in the will, I feel like the attorney's required to report it to some authority. Don't you think? I mean, you can't if you're if you're the guy. This doesn't is strike a, me. There's the, a lot of attorneys involved. <laughs> <laughs> you're the guy working through the estate, and you see nuclear weapon listed on the items. I don't think F. Lee Bailey was the, doing estate planning for this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just completely hilarious. The, the production of these things ended in 1962, by the way. Hmm. So this thing is, you know, it's 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 old, and it's, it's just hanging out. So now they're going to turn it over to a museum. Because they say it's harmless, <laughs> but like, my God, <laughs> incredible! If I could encounter one of those, would, I would just—I just pray at some point that, like, I'll never go to an estate sale just because I find them sort of unseemly. But like, if if you ever just driving by somebody in the neighborhood who was having one and they just had a fucking rocket sitting out front, I mean, you'd the, be like, well, I'll check that out. The, yeah. the real tragedy here is it didn't make it on Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> yeah. A real nonsense. Right? I would have loved to They're see. Like, well, the requisition cost for one of these was two point three billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've consulted Robert Gates, yeah. and it turns out. I mean, literally, that's like an amazing, amazing Incredible. amount of detail. Uh, anyway, all right, we're gonna have a big show throughout the week. We've got another big one on Thursday. A lot going on. We didn't talk presidential at all, although we've got. A Nevada thing that doesn't seem like it really counts. We've got, uh, let me just briefly say, uh, Nevada this week scheduled a primary because they were unsatisfied with the caucus that they'd had previously. And then immediately the Republican Party within Nevada said, uh, we don't want the primary, we want the caucus. And so they said they were going to disregard the results. So whatever comes out of the primary is irrelevant because they're not going to count the delegates for it. The caucus itself which if you've met a lot of these folks, uh, you get but what you pay for. Good times. Time, right? <laughs> uh, so, so like Nevada, there's a reason why nobody's talking about Nevada. Uh. Coming up, but don't worry about it. Um, South Carolina's the next big one. Trump's leading. We'll see where it goes from there. We'll talk more about it Thursday. Right, fellas? Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think we've done it. I think so. Absolute banger of an episode gentlemen thank you so much to our listeners and our viewers reminder if you have not yet subscribe to the youtube 
watch this show in person. So until next time, Minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.